today is Pentecost Sunday. Does any kid know what Pentecost is? It's a tough one. Anybody know what Pentecost? Any kid? Pentecost. Okay, that's fine. Oh, Liam, you know what's Pentecost? <laughs> you, I thought you knew. Okay, Pentecost actually means 50th. That's what, it, that's what the word actually means. It occurs on the 50th day after Easter. Pentecost was when the Holy Spirit came down and, and filled all the believers and empowered them in Acts chapter 2. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And he poured out himself on all flesh. And we're going to be talking about how that um, event is so important to us becoming a part of the family of the Spirit. In fact, that's what I'm titling the message today is Family of the Spirit. But in our discussion today, we're going to be talking about how God's Spirit changes everything. God's Spirit changes everything. And I'm going to do an, an activity to show that change really quickly. So I have this from home. What does this say? Anyone know what? The, Evan, what does this say? Cornstarch. 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 Yes, cornstarch. Kids, what is cornstarch used for? I have no idea either. Genevieve says making things soft. Cornstarch, is it used for like cornbread? Sauces and gravy. Oh, it's for baking? Okay, Liam says it's for baking, so that's what it's for. Well, today we're not going to make any, I guess we'll kind of make a sauce, but it's not going to be any sauce that we want to eat. But I have some cornstarch here. I'll lift it up so you guys can see it once I pour it. I'm going to pour it in this bowl. Oops. Uh, that's a little much and a little messy. Oh, well. So I got some cornstarch in this bowl. It looks kind of just like flour if you do bacon at home, just like flour. It's a little different, though. So I'm going to show us something where I'm going to pour something into the cornstarch and I'm going to show how one ingredient will completely change the cornstarch. In this case, it's going to be water. Yes, water. In this case, water is going to completely change the cornstarch. Water is going to change everything. So I, oh, I forgot to get, can someone get me paper towels? Anyone? Nate, Julie, thank you. Totally meant to get some, forgot. Um, so I am going to pour this water into this cornstarch and mix it up. Yeah, you is right. What? No, I'm not. I am, yeah. I'm mixing it up. It's kind of dissolving, but it's also like thickening. I'll let you kids feel it at the end if you want. So essentially... Thank you. Thank you. All right, give it up for Julie. Yeah. So essentially, it has become no longer this powdery substance. It's now this thick, gooey liquid, if you can see. Um, hopefully, you guys can see at home. I don't know. Yeah, you can touch it at the end. That's fine. It's now this gooey liquid. So we see how, I'm going to add a little more. We see how water completely changed the cornstarch. 
Water, in this case, changed everything. Because without the water, you just have some cornstarch, yeah? And it's not that cool. But once you add water to it, it's pretty cool. And now, I got some messy fingers. Um, no. You can touch it afterwards. All right, I'll just have messy fingers the rest of the service. That's okay. Yeah, we'll make some slime after, maybe. But it's not really slime. It's just kind of like weird liquid. So the point being, water changed everything that the cornstarch is. And just as the water completely changed the cornstarch, we're going to look at how God's Spirit completely changes everything as well. Before we do that, I need another kid. We're going to do our remember verse, kids, that we've been working on. Adults, you don't know the remember verse that we've been working on. But I want to see if any of our kids know it first. Anyone, anyone remember? Okay, that's okay. That's okay. So if our kids remember, they get like a special marble in a jar. It's like pretty cool. And then they fill it up. We're going to have something really cool for them. Yes. Yep. Yep. I want one kid to come up here and help me so that we can teach the adults the motions to our remember verse. You want to come on up, Liam? No? Asme, you want to come up? You do? Come on up. All right, Liam. Yeah. Liam, stand right here next to me, okay? You're going to help me. You're going to help me with teaching the motions to these adults, okay? Okay, can you do that? Oh, nope. Don't touch that, buddy. <laughs> Sneaky. Okay. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put our remember verse up on the screen, okay? It's John 17.3, all right? And you're going to do the motions with me, okay? Ready? Stay right here, bud. Ready? You do the motions with me. Now this, Liam, remember, show, show them the motions. Now this, do this. This is eternal life. Now this is eternal life. Everybody do that with me. Now this is eternal life. That they know you. Okay, you got it? The only true God. Do it with both arms. I'm just not doing it with both. Yeah, do it with both arms. The only true God. Ready, Liam? And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You clap. All right? All right, Liam. Go sit down, buddy. Yeah, thank you. We're going to do it one more time. We're going to do it one more time because adults or parents, you can practice this with your kids at home. All right? Now, sit down, buddy. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Awesome. John 17, 3. So, today, as I said, we're talking about how God's Spirit changes everything in Pentecost. In the Old, at the day of Pentecost, in the Old Testament, God's Spirit was prevalent. It was there. It was active, but it was really limited to certain people, um, in a sense, where it w- there were prophets and there were priests that experienced God's um, spirit, and it was limited to s- certain places like the temple or the tabernacle um, in the midst of, or that's, that's where God's presence and God's spirit dwelt, usually. But today, we're talking about how that changed completely. 
I want to put up our big God story timeline. This is what we look at every week to, in our lessons. It has at the very beginning, Adam and Eve, and at the very end, our future with Jesus. The important thing about this, kids, is that you and I are on this big God story timeline. We talk about this big God story. It's all one unified story. It leads to Jesus. It includes us. And it's all one big story that we are a part of. Right, Genevieve? She said yes. <laughs> we are all part of this big God story. And just like God used, kids, just like God used the people, the prophets, the kings of the Bible, he uses us today as well. He's got a plan for us, and it starts now. And that's what this represents. And today we're at, if you can't read what that yellow highlighted one is, it says day of Pentecost, right after Jesus' death and resurrection and right before Peter, even though Peter is a big part of this story. So let's, let's set the scene for this event of Pentecost, okay? Jesus had just risen from the dead. Well, you don't have to repeat after me, but I'm glad you're paying attention. Jesus just rose from the dead, and he spent 40 days with his disciples. This was obviously a huge event. Jesus rose from the dead. They touched his feet and his hands. They ate with him. They walked with him. Jesus was clearly alive. So I'm going to hold up some speech bubbles to help us understand what's going on with the lesson today. This one says he's alive. Sure, yeah. Let's repeat after me. He's alive. All right. That's what this one says. They see Jesus. He's alive. And wow, it's, it's crazy. It's super cool. Okay, Genevieve, thank you. All right. Jesus gave them two final commands before he left. First is found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus has risen from the dead. We know that he's alive from our first speech rebel. And now he says, go and make disciples. Yes, yes, good job. Go and make disciples is his first command to his disciples. The second command was, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So his second command is wait for the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Thank you. Yes, wait for the Holy Spirit. So, why was waiting to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so important? This was Jesus' final command before leaving his disciples. He, he comes back, he hangs out with them for 40 days, and then he's getting up to just leave, and he leaves them with these two final commands. I would have a ton of questions. But this was Jesus' final command. Can any kid tell me who the Holy Spirit is in our life? What do you think, Jessica? Who's the Holy Spirit? What does he do? It's okay. You can say you don't know. Okay, that's fine. Yes, Liam, what does the Holy Spirit do? <laughs> Asme, do you know what the Holy Spirit does? Perfect, actually, yes, Genevieve. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Because, did you read, did you read this beforehand? Sneaky. This says the Holy Spirit is our helper. Everyone say, the Holy Spirit is our helper. 
Yes, he does a lot more than that, but ultimately one of the things that he is is our helper. He helps us find Jesus. He helps us realize our wrongs and that we need saving. And he helps us love others in that way too so that they can find Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us. All the day Jesus, or the day that Jesus was about to leave earth, he told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. So, all of a sudden, they're like, wait for the Holy Spirit. But the reason you're waiting for the Holy Spirit is because you are going to get power. Everyone say, wow. Say, power. Yeah. Power is coming, and they're getting excited now. That's so crazy. They saw their friend and their God, Jesus, rise from the dead, and then he ascends into the sky right before their eyes. He's right in front of them, but then all of a sudden he ascends into the skies. And the only further direction they have is going, wait. Like I said, that would have driven me crazy. It's just go and go back to Jerusalem, make disciples, but wait. Like, okay, wait for what? And wait for how long? What am I looking for? How will I know when the Holy Spirit's coming? What's it going to look like? How many of you would have those questions? Okay, nobody in here. Just me and Jessica. All right. I would have a lot of questions. But 120 of Jesus' followers went to Jerusalem. They stayed in an upper room for 10 days, and they waited for the Holy Spirit. You guys don't have to repeat this one. This says upper room 120. It shows that 120 people went into an upper room and waited there for the Holy Spirit. So 10 days later, they've been waiting for 10 days. It's a week and a half. We can't even wait three days for our Amazon packages. For 10 days now. The, the fate of people's salvation in the world is, is kind of like in our hands at this point. We don't know what we're waiting for. But then there's three huge signs that something was about to go down. Everyone say, three signs. Three signs. Awesome. So, three signs happen. One, they hear this mighty wind. That's what it sounded like. Mighty wind. And then, they saw tongues of fire resting on each other's heads. Like, it looked like this. But it was fire. And then they began to speak in different tongues, different languages that they had known before. I've been trying to learn Spanish a little bit, and it's, like, really hard. It takes a lot of time. These people just started speaking other languages that they hadn't known. Maybe, like, what, what's a language, Genevieve? Okay. Na name a language. No, a language, not a word in Spanish. <laughs> yes, that is a word in Spanish, right? Yeah, so like maybe they started speaking like Arabic out of nowhere or like Russian. I, I don't know if Russian really, I don't, thank you, yes. Okay, so all of a sudden they started speaking these different languages. Then these three signs happen and thousands of people notice 
They're saying, okay, something weird is going on in that upper room because there's this huge wind, there's these tongues of fire, and there's these people speaking my language that I don't even know. And they don't know me. So that's crazy. And thousands of people notice it. And they all come from the crowded city to see what's happening. And they all said, what does this mean? Say, what does this mean? Yeah, super confusing, right? Very strange stuff. Then Jesus' disciple Peter stood up in front of this large crowd and he explained all of what's going on. He explained how the prophet Joel had prophesied that the spirit would fall upon all flesh. And not just on the prophets and the priests and not just in the temples and the tabernacles. This meant that the Holy Spirit was for everyone and that everyone could enter into the family of God's spirit. We've kind of been focusing on family a little bit here in our last few weeks. And so another focus today is focusing on our families and today specifically the family of the spirit. That's what Peter's proclaiming. He's proclaiming the Holy Spirit is for all believers. Say, the Holy Spirit is for all believers. Perfect. So Peter continues his sermon. He explains to the Jewish people many things in the Old Testament that pointed to a Savior and how Jesus fulfilled who that Savior was supposed to be. And those people listened to what Peter said. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke the exact words that those people needed to hear because he had received that power that Jesus was talking about. Remember when we talked about you wait for the Holy Spirit and then you will receive power. This was that power that he was talking about. Peter had the power to preach and to tell these people about Jesus in a way that they would understand it. And many Jewish people listened and believed and responded to Jesus' teaching and they said, what shall we do? Say, what shall we do? Yes, what shall we do? Now that we know that this Holy Spirit exists. So when they asked, what shall we do? Peter told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then 3,000 people were baptized and saved that day by that sermon and had their lives changed by the truth and the power of the Spirit because they said, I believe. Everyone say, I believe. It was a life-changing day for 3,000 people and even more so. It's a great story of how the Holy Spirit was poured out on all types of people. And these people chose to say yes to becoming a part of the big God story. They said, yes, God, I want to take part in my plan that you have for me for your story. It's so great that we have our families here today. We all have our, our individual families. I love it. But one thing I love more today is that we're all here together seeking God and we're a part of the family of the Spirit of God. My first point today is that we can all join the family of the Spirit. Something that's prevalent among the people of God throughout history is that they were once in a place where they didn't belong. It's, you'll see it all throughout the history of Israel and then again, like even in the New Testament, and today we may feel alone sometimes. Whether it's the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt, the Israelites again when they were exiled to Babylon, the foreigners 
from people outside Israel that were able to be welcomed into Israel, they probably had a sense of not belonging. Or presently, all, all of us, before we find and accept the love of Jesus, that's loneliness, that's not belonging. And the feeling of being lost or alone is very common throughout Scripture. And perhaps the disciples felt it in those 10 days waiting for the Spirit. It doesn't necessarily say that in the Scripture, but I don't know. I just, I'm thinking about that. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just thinking maybe that's what they felt. And they certainly felt that throughout their persecution afterwards. Maybe you feel like you don't belong today. Maybe you feel like you don't belong at school, in your friend group, or at work. Maybe you feel like you don't belong to church, even, or in your family, even, which is sad, but the case for many people. They just don't feel a sense of belonging anywhere. And that's a, that's a desire within each of us as human beings. If we want to belong, we want to fit in, we want to be a part of something. However, when there is a lack of belonging, I see how God reunites his people. He brings them back together throughout scripture. He frees the Israelites from slavery. He leads them back to their home and restored a remnant of Israelites after the exile. He welcomed foreigners into his people by their faith and let them become a a part of the family of God. And he brings us today into his family through salvation By the leading of the Spirit, we can all be welcomed into that family of God. So, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, Paul is speaking to the Ephesians who heard the message of the gospel and they just recently responded. He says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I'm going to read it one more time. Why not? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possessions to the praise of his glory. If we want to belong in his family, all we have to do is hear and believe this message of truth like the Ephesians did, like the the 3,000 people did on the day of Pentecost. You don't have to live in loneliness even though it seems so hard to escape sometimes. It seems so hard to find a sense of belonging and a sense of camaraderie and family. But we can partake in God's possession. We can partake in his possession in part of his family. That's what the family of the Spirit is for, and that's the atmosphere I want Taylor Christian to bring that we can pray for consistently is that people feel a sense of belonging here, feel people feel a sense of the family of the Spirit here. And when we believe we are marked with the Holy Spirit as part of the family of the Spirit, just like the Ephesians were, marked by the Spirit. When we hear those words of truth and allow them to work in us and and permeate our thoughts and lives, 
the promised Holy Spirit, the same one by which Jesus' own disciples were empowered, and those 3,000 people on Pentecost will bring us into, the, into God's possession. It's that same spirit. It's not a different spirit. It's that same spirit that's at the day of Pentecost, that's in the prophets and priests and temples and tabernacles, that's there in the beginning with God in a divine community. I want to be in God's possession. I want to be part of his family. I want to be part of the plan in God's unfailing story. That's, that's my second point today, is God's, the, the, the family of the Spirit will not fail. First, we can all join the family of the Spirit. Now the family of the Spirit will not fail. Though our physical families are great, or maybe not so great, sometimes we are in physical families where they're not so great, but even if we have great physical families, those families are going to fail you at times. Those families are going to leave you with a sense of hurt and loneliness at times. It's just going to happen. But the true family of God, the family of the Spirit, is never going to fail. God will continue to lead, preserve, and grow his family just as he always has throughout the entire big God story from the start of Adam and Eve throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, today and in the future, leading to his final reign. He is going to always succeed and always bring out the best in his family. Also, I want to note, just because we're in the family of the Spirit, it doesn't mean we can just lay back and chill out and say, okay, I'm in the family of the Spirit. Let me go do whatever I want. Being a part of the family of the Spirit takes work. In the family of the Spirit, you have a responsibility. You don't just join the family. I guess you can join the family of the Spirit and just sit, but God calls us to a, to a responsibility in, the, in his family. One, to work towards the glory of God and help others do the same. We can be in the family of the Spirit and not do anything, but that's almost like taking away from God's plan. He wants us to be part of his plan. We're on a journey to work together to bring glory to God's name. I'm going to say that one more time. We are on a journey together. I will, you don't have to repeat it. I was just repeating it myself. And then I paused, so I get how that's confusing. Sorry about that. We are on a journey together to work together to bring glory to God's name. And when we're a family, we're not alone in that journey. We can find a sense of belonging when we're working together for God's glory and being a part of the plan he has for us. When we look at Pentecost, we see the incredible help and the power that the Spirit gives us. When we look beyond Pentecost, we still see that. We see the, we see the development of the family of Spirit. But um, what we see in Acts chapter 2, where it's, where it's all great things and people are getting saved, that doesn't always happen when we look in the rest of Scripture, and that certainly doesn't happen in our lives. We don't just go and say, believe in Jesus, and people are like, okay. That's not, that does, that's not how our world works. That's not how it works in the Scriptures. In fact, a lot of times, there's trials and there's hardships that are faced. We see them in the book of Acts. We see them beyond um, in, in other parts of Scripture, 
consistent trials and persecutions, but together, that family of the Spirit withstood that persecution. Together, they spread the word of the Lord to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They did that together without a sense of loneliness, but instead with a sense of family, being a part of the family of the Spirit. And together, we're on that same journey. So no matter what setbacks we face, the family of the Spirit's never going to fail. It brings us unity, power, help, victory, as we work as a part of his story to bring glory to his name. That's our goal, to bring glory to the name of the Lord. Amen? Worship team, you can come back up here. No matter what setbacks we faced, the family of the Spirit will not fail. On this Pentecost Sunday, it's important to remember the significance of the Spirit in history, in our world, and in our personal lives. The Spirit is our helper, as Genevieve said. Spirit unites us. Spirit empowers us, and he, and he invites us in his family. He invites us. Aren't you glad that you can be welcomed into the family of the Spirit today, regardless of your situation and any circumstances that you're in? We can be a part of the family of the Spirit and children of God. We can be marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit and brought into God's own possession as a part of his family. Just as he did for the exiled Israelites, the enslaved Israelites persecuted Christians of the early church. But in that, in that family, you guys, comes responsibility. When we're part of his family, we take on a part in his big God story. We say, God, I'm willing to, to be a part of your story. I'm not going to be apathetic, complacent, lazy. With the power of the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples had, we have all that we need. Why is that? Because just like the water changed everything and made the cornstarch into this gooey mess, the Holy Spirit can come and take us from this potential sense of loneliness that we're feeling into a sense of belonging God's Spirit changes everything, and He invites us to partake in that change. So think about how God's inviting you to be a part of His, story, of, of his um, family today. Think about how He invites you to partake in that change. What can you do to be a part of God's family, part of His big God story this week? And consider how awesome it is that God invites us to be children of God.